Would you pray with me? Man, Lord, we love you, and we love your name, Jesus, and we love you because you are that name, God, the, the name of the Messiah, the Savior, our Lord. And I pray now, Lord, as we look into your word, our hearts will be open and tender. God will hear you and that we will respond to you this morning. And it's in your name that we pray, Jesus. Amen. Would you give the band a hand for a great job? Well, good morning. It is great to see all of you. If you're watching online, we thank you for watching and being here with us. I want to talk to you a little bit about posture this morning. I'll explain more in a moment. You know posture, how you sit and how you stand. For a public speaker, uh, we, we pay attention to posture. If your head is in your lap in a moment, uh, if you are, your feet are on the pew and your head is tilted back, Paul Nelson, and you're snoring, that's not good posture, amen? And you know what they're finding out? Your physical posture actually affects your psychic and your mental makeup. So sit up, act like you're interested, pay attention. Who knows? You might hear something this morning. But the word posture is not only talking about our physical, the way we structure our limbs, it's also our attitude and a mindset, a posture or a stance that we take towards something. And this morning, we're going to talk about pride. We're going to talk about pride and humility. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Proverbs. Now, we're going to do in a way I don't always like doing, but we almost have to with some of Proverbs. We're going to look at a lot of verses. So you can turn to Proverbs 3. That's a, that's a good place. But have a pen with you. Write a lot of these verses down because, again, we're, there's a lot of different verses. You graduates, uh, every year I think about you, uh, high school and college, but it's, it's everyone else, about this sermon. What can God say through me that can be important for you moving forward, but again, for all of us. And, and I want to tell you, as I think about it, I think pride and humility, that's going to be a huge determination in what God does or what God's able to do in your life in the days ahead. But again, it's true for all of us. And I want to begin with this. This is a powerful statement, but it's absolutely backed by Scripture. God really hates pride and arrogance. The Bible doesn't say a lot of things God hates because God doesn't hate a lot of things, but there are some things God hates, and God says he hates pride and arrogance. In Proverbs 3.34, it says, The Lord mocks the mocker, but is gracious to the humble. Now, as we walk through these, I'm going to explain to you really what pride and arrogance is. Mocker, that's someone whose nose is in the air. That's someone that literally the Hebrew word mock means to make a mouth at someone, to make a face at someone. It's showing your arrogance and that, hey, you're better than them for whatever reason. The Lord Lord mocks the mockers, makes faces. uh, Proverbs 8.13, it says, all who fear the Lord will hate evil, Listen to what God says, I hate pride, I hate arrogance, I hate corruption, I hate perverse speech. Leave that there if you would. You know, that the word hate there, man, it's a powerful word. It means to be an enemy. It means to be a foe. God's saying, I'm an enemy of these things. I'm an enemy of the person who manifests these things. The, the Hebrew word in the Old Testament written in Hebrew literally means odious. God's saying, I think this is funny, but it's scary. God's saying, these things stink to me. Now, it's easy to go, oh, man, yeah, perverse speech. That stinks. they got corruption. Nobody likes corruption, especially if it's done to you. But God says, I hate pride and arrogance. If you're taking notes, that word arrogance literally means haughtiness. It, it literally means high. It means swelling. It means to be pompous. 
Have you ever known anyone who was pompous? Some, that, that may well be, no, nobody's known anybody that's pompous. Have you anybody known somebody that's pompous? They think they're better than you. They're high. They're puffed up. That's what this word means. God says, listen, I hate this attitude. I hate this posture. In chapter 16, verse 5, he says, everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. I want you to stop and, and, and look at me for a second. If God was to come to you this, this, tomorrow morning in your quiet time, and he was to literally say, that is an abomination, you'd get rid of it, wouldn't you? You would run from it. Listen, God's not talking about pornography here. God's not talking about sexual perversion here. God's talking about pride and arrogance in our hearts. God says in our behavior, it's an abomination. Again, if you're taking notes, abomination means morally disgusting. It's a perversion. This word abomination in the Old Testament is used when God talked about child sacrifice. That was an abomination to him. Certain sexual perversions, an abomination to him. Cult worship, an abomination to him. And God says, people who are full of pride and arrogance, it, it makes me sick. God says, it is morally repulsive to me. In chapter 21, verse 4, haughty eyes and a proud heart and evil actions are all sin. God hates sin. Haughty eyes, there we go again, Haughty, a proud heart. What is arrogance? What, what kind of behavior is this? Well, it's a person who fundamentally is independent of God. You don't need God. Why would you need God? You've got money. You've got power. You, you've, you're good looking. You're young. You're old. Whatever your point of reference is, you're a great athlete. You make great. You don't need God. You're independent of God. And you're better than other people. This is not self-confidence. I think people who are uber self-confident have to be careful because self-confidence and arrogance can cross over pretty quickly, but it's not that. Pride, pride here he's talking about is not trying to do your best or making a great effort. It's looking down on other people. It's thinking you're better than other people. It's being unteachable, uncoachable, uncorrectable. Nobody's going to tell you what to do because, hey, you're you, right? That's what it is, and God says, I hate this. I hate it. And what this is, it's a posture of heart and life towards God and other people. Listen to what I've heard. I've heard religious people say this for years. I'm humble. First of all, anybody that tells you they're humble is not. Amen? I called a couple of our guys after the first service, and I said, man, wasn't that a great sermon? Do you get the irony? I, I was a joke. One of them got the irony. The other one didn't. But you know what? It was a joke. But when you feel like you've got humility, you, you don't. But I've, I've heard religious people, man, I'm just so humble before God. I'm so humble before God. And their arrogant snoots toward people. It doesn't work that way. Somebody say amen. It doesn't. Snooty religious people are just what you think they are. Snooty religious people. If you're taking notes, 1 Peter 5, 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6 and many places in the Scripture would verify this, but it basically says, hey, be humble before others and before God. It's a two-way street. God hates pride and arrogance. Now, here's why God hates it. Pride and arrogance lead to huge problems. They lead to huge problems. You want to live this way? You know what? God is going to let you. Young people, here's the weird thing. There are eight-year-olds who are arrogant, there are 18-year-olds who are arrogant. There are 20-year-olds who are arrogant. There are people in the nursing home today strutting through the food line who are arrogant. It's not an age thing or a gender thing. 
But it is not going to help you. Let me give you five things that happens when you're arrogant. One, you don't see yourself correctly. Why should you? You're more, you're more intelligent than everybody else, right? Other people see your flaws. You're the better athlete. You cut, your parents have more money. You got more money. You got eight degrees. And I'm all for degrees. I'm all for money. I'm all for sports. But what happens is when you, when you live with a posture of arrogance, you don't see yourself as you really are. When I was growing up, there was a bumper sticker that said, my kid is an honor student. Y'all, y'all remember those? And then people like my parents got frustrated with that, and they bought the bumper ticker, this, the sticker that said, my kid beat up your honor student. Do y'all remember that? See, both of them are arrogant, amen? <laughs> one smarter and the other beat one up. See, when you're arrogant, when I'm arrogant, you don't see yourself correctly. Believe me, everybody else does, but, but we don't see ourselves correctly. When you know everything, uh, you, when you're unteachable, and that's the second thing. A person who is arrogant, they've stopped growing. You stop growing, you're not teachable. You're not moldable. Proverbs 1 7. Proverbs 1 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise discipline and instruction. If you're taking notes, this word fool, we've talked about it a lot this spring. The word fool is a word that Jesus said, don't call anybody a fool. You and I do not have the authority to call someone a fool. It means morally senseless. I know this is an ugly word today. It, literally, the Hebrew word, if you're looking at them in the dictionary, it means stupid. It means someone who is, who is distanced from God. It's someone who does life poorly. Wisdom is doing life wisely, doing life God's way. The, the fool is the person who does life the way God doesn't want it. And they, they, despise, they don't want to be taught. They don't want, why would they need to be? They got it all figured out, right? They, they don't need to be taught. That's what God says. This person stops growing. In chapter 11, verse 2, chapter 11, verse 2, it says, pride leads to disgrace. Humility comes from wisdom. You learn how to do life well, wisely, properly, intelligently by being wise, not being arrogant. Man, I want to challenge you something. When are you going to stop growing? Who are you not going to let teach you? No, I mean, there's people you don't need to listen to. I mean, obviously, you, you need to be careful. You need to listen with discernment. But, but are you at a point at, at 12, at 14, at 18, at 22, at 40? You've got it all figured out? All I can say is good luck. You might as well go on to heaven because you're, you're going to be a, you're a pain in somebody's backside. When my first church, <laughs> I had a person tell me something one time I've never forgotten. They said, Chris, a lot of people are like concrete. They're thoroughly mixed up and firmly set in place. (laughs) They're a mess, but they ain't moving at all. Don't be that way. You stop growing when you're arrogant. Are you ready to stop learning? That's If if you're you're arrogant, you are. Here's the third thing. You are not attractive to other people. Yes, your pastor's telling you you're ugly. (laughs) I'm ugly if this is us. In Proverbs 25, 27 it says, it's not good to eat too much ice cream. That's a modern paraphrase. It's not good to seek honor for yourself. I love Proverbs 27 too. Proverbs 27 too. It says, let someone else praise you. Not your own mouth or fingers on social media. A stranger, not your own lips. What powerful words. Uh, arrogant people let you know how good they are. Now, some disguise it well. 
They're humbly arrogant. But, but, but there's a lot of humble brag out there, too. I read this last week articles from The Guardian, which is a British magazine newspaper, and from The New York Times. These are not Christian organizations. And they both, in the last two years, had big articles about what they defined as humble bragging. Where, and they were talking about major corporations. They mentioned Starbucks and mentioned some others. Where they will give hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars or do some good deeds. But then they let everybody in the world know that they are doing it. You remember Jesus says, what your right hand does, don't let your left hand know. And this article that was being summed up by preachers said, basically, in, in our world today, even in Christian circles, our right hand not only know what our left hand does, we want everybody else to know, but we always say humbly. Aren't we so humbled how God used me today for a great sermon in a great church, right? But it's not attractive. Everybody in here knows who Tim Tebow is Tim Tebow is a great athlete, still playing professional baseball. And when he was a little kid, man, he was hitting home runs. He was a star from the time he was little. And he loved to tell people how great he did. And his parents told him he was little. Memorize Proverbs 27 too. Let someone else praise you, not your own mouth. A stranger, not your own lips. And they said, Tim, when you play ball, if people come up and ask you how you did, you can tell them. But don't go around telling everybody how wonderful you are and how great you did. That's not attractive. Someone said, when someone's full of themselves, pride and arrogant, it's the only disease that makes everyone else around them sick except the one who has it. That's true. It's not attractive. But let's get into two things that are even worse. Man, God punishes this behavior. God punishes this heart set. God punishes you or me when we live this way. I think part of it is what we, what we sow, we reap. But I think God is, is pretty clear in Proverbs 16.5 what he says here. Everyone, not some people, but everyone, young people, everyone who's arrogant and hard is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. Man, that's powerful. Proverbs 16, 18 continues the theme. Pride comes before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall. If you're taking notes, the word destruction is a powerful word. It, it means to be bruised or hurt. It means to be shattered. Haughty is another bad biblical word. It means to elevate. It means grandeur. It means highness, the person who is high and mighty in themselves. And a lot of times we don't keep it to ourselves. It oozes out to everybody that's around them. You know what God says? If you live with that posture, sooner or later, God's going to bring the paddle to you. Because God hates that. It's so anti and opposite of who God is and what he wants. God says, I will punish it. And the fifth thing here is you're missing God when you live this way. You're missing God. You, hey, you can't be an arrogant snoot and be in a right relationship with God. It's impossible. In Proverbs 26, 12, this is a powerful verse. Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for the fool, for the stupid, for the godless than there is for him. Wow. You see, here's the, here's the deal, guys. You do not strut into the presence of God. And in this room this morning, there's people who are in danger 
of spending eternity separated from God because you will not humble yourself and come to God. The only way you're going to be saved is you've got to humble yourself to come to God. A lot of you are Christians, and we are missing God, and we're never going to grow. We're never going to be filled with the Spirit. We're never going to have the joy that God wants us to or be used by God because we're too prideful. Prideful, proud. Listen, I, I don't know who said this years ago, but it's so true. You can, you can be too big for God to use, but you can never be too small for God to use. That's exactly the truth. And you're going you're to miss God. C.S. Lewis, the great English writer, listen to what he said. When you spend your life constantly looking down at everybody else, looking down your nose at everybody else, you're going to fail to look up and see God. You're going to miss God. I want to read to you a passage from Isaiah. This ought to scare us straight. It's Isaiah 14, verse 12 through 15. This is talking about Lucifer, about Satan and his origins. If you don't remember, if you don't know, before Satan was the devil, he was one of the top-ranking angels in heaven. It says, how you are fallen from heaven. O shining star, son of the morning, you have been thrown down to the earth, you who destroyed the nations of this world. For you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's. I will preside on the mountain of the gods far away in the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. Instead, you're going to be brought down to the place of the dead, down to its lowest depths. Hey, what made, what made Lucifer get thrown out of heaven by God? Was it pornography? Did he just get, he got too, he got too tied into traditional music. He couldn't make the switch to contemporary, and God said, you're out of here. Was that it? Wrong Bible translation, Right? It was pride. Wow. Man, God hates it, and it will ruin your life. But let's look at the positive this morning. God loves humility. God hates pride, but God loves humility. God loves humbleness. In chapter 15, verse 33, the fear of the Lord is instruction and wisdom, and humility comes before honor. Humility means gentleness. It means meekness. If you're taking notes, meekness is a great Old Testament and New Testament word. It does not mean weakness. It's strength under control. It's a strong animal that's tamed. That's what meekness. Jesus was meek. It's gentleness. In, in Proverbs 16, 19, it's better to be of lowly spirit, to be humble before God and others with the poor people, than to divide the spoil with the proud. What, what is humility? Folks, humility is realizing you're a creature and God's the creator. Did you hear me? God's the creator. We're, we're a creature. Humility ultimately is about being dependent, dependent on God. Now listen, this is so important. In, in human life, the goal, if a, if a baby is healthy and a person's healthy mentally and physically, the goal is they're born and they're completely independent, right? And then they grow up and they become independent, right? By the time they're 45 or 50, they get a job, they move out of the house. You know, they start their own family, whatever. Spiritually, in God's eyes, it's just the opposite. Humility is about dependency. It's about becoming more and more dependent on God. A lot of you are Christians today. You're not any more dependent on God 
than, than you were the day you were saved. That's not spiritual growth. Spiritual growth is becoming more dependent. It's not looking down on yourself. It's forgetting yourself. It's about being a servant. It's about putting other people first. It's not thinking anybody's better than you, but it's not thinking you're better than anybody. Listen to me. I think it was Emerson who said, every person you meet, in some ways, you're superior. Amen to that. You're fast. You're strong. That's awesome. Somebody's smarter than you. You're smart. Somebody's got more money than you. You're good-looking. Somebody's got a better personality. Somebody can always one-up us. Humility is, humility is realizing everybody else, no one's better than you, but you're not better than anybody else. And again, this is a posture between us and God and us and people. Ephesians 4, 2, he's talking to the church. He says, with all, here's how I want you to act, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Remember, man, you cannot be humble towards God and arrogant towards other people. Humble before God, humble before other people. God loves this. Now, let's look at this. Humility leads to true greatness. Man, it leads to great things. What, what happened to, to Satan because of pride? Man, he crashed terribly. But in Numbers 12, 3, man, this is a great verse. Moses, everybody know who Moses? In the first service, I said, you know who Moses? Two people raised their hand. We stopped and had an Old Testament history lesson on Moses. How many of you know who Moses is? Not the guy in Bernice, but the one in the Bible. Moses was very humble, more humble than any person on earth. Is that not incredible? In Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, look what it says about Jesus. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle in heart. Here's your example, Satan, <laughs> Moses, and Jesus. I think we know which way to go. What happens? What happens when you and I live with a posture of humility? And this is a choice you and I have to make, and we have to make it every day, continually the rest of our lives. Here's the first thing. You see yourself correctly. Just like the arrogant sees themselves incorrectly, you see yourself correctly. You see your strengths. You see your weaknesses. If we were to ask Brandon, Brandon, do a lot of people not see themselves correctly? I guarantee he would say, absolutely. And I'll tell you this, one thing about a lot of psychos and psycho behavior, they got a real big ego, don't they, Brandon? So let's go with being humble. You see yourself correctly. Winston Churchill was the great leader of Britain during World War II. He would give speeches, and thousands of people would show up, and they would cheer him on. And after one of his speeches, one of his aides said, Oh, Mr. Churchill, don't you love how people cheer you on and support you? And Churchill said, It is wonderful, but I know this, that if tomorrow they announced they were going to hang me, the crowd would be twice as big. He understood himself, and he understood reality. You see yourself correctly. Here's the second thing. You're teachable. You're teachable. Proverbs 1.5. Some people argue this is the purpose of the book of Proverbs. Why God wrote it through Solomon. Let the wise hear and increase their learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. Purpose of the book, God says, I want you constantly growing and learning. I want you becoming better and more like me. And then he goes on. In Proverbs 11, 2, and he says, Pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom and true understanding. Listen, when you are humble, 
That's how you learn. That's how you grow. That's how you get better. Do you have a teachable spirit? You got it all figured out? It's amazing how many people have everything figured out. 1 Corinthians 8.1, talking about spiritual knowledge, says knowledge puffs up. If you're chasing God and theology and the Bible so you can win an argument, that's cool. You're not pleasing God, but love builds up. You're teachable. You're learning. You're growing. John Maxwell was a pastor for years, a great leadership expert. He just turned 72. I'm reading a book that he wrote now. He said, when I, the, the, my, my 70th year on earth was the best year I've ever had. And he said, man, I want to spend the rest of my life growing and learning and getting better and getting better and getting better. If you're not going to grow, you might as well go on to heaven. But, but wait till God calls you. Keep growing and learning. Humble people can be taught and corrected. What's a beautiful, beautiful trait. Here's a third thing. Other people honor the humble. Other people honor the humble. It's, it's so interesting, the prideful person, the ego person, wants the honor and the glory and the esteem, and they don't get it. It's the humble person who wins the affections of others. Isn't that neat? Proverbs fifteen thirty three. it says, The fear of the Lord is instruction and wisdom, and humility brings honor. If you're taking notes, that word honor means esteem and majesty and glory. You know what God says? Listen. When you humble yourself, that's when I, other people honor you. And we'll say in a moment, God honors you. It's attractive. And number four, man, listen, God really honors humility. God honors it. And this ought, to, this ought to ring your bell as much as anything else, how important this is. We'll go back to that very first verse we looked at, chapter 3, verse 34. The Lord mocks the mocker, but is gracious. The word gracious is our word grace. It means favor. God shows his kindness and his, shows his face to the humble. In James 4.10, way over at the end of the New Testament, it says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. Man, you, you, want, God, you, you want to do great things? You want God to use you? Humble yourself. Humble yourself before God and others. That's who God honors. And lastly, you can truly find God when you're humble. You know, the Scripture says that anyone who really seeks God will find God. How do you find God? You don't, again, you don't strut into God's presence. Matthew 5, 3 is one of the great verses. It begins the, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Poor in spirit is not depressed. It's not someone who's beaten down. Poor in spirit Being poor in and of itself financially is not blessed. Poor in spirit, that means that's the person who realizes their need, their need for God. And and, and when you you get to some of you for the first time this morning, when you get to that point where you realize, I need God, that's when you'll turn to God and find him. As a Christian, the reason some of us don't pray much, we don't come to church like we should, we don't read our Bible, we just don't feel the need for God. So we, we can be fine without it. Remember, the goal is dependency, not independence. And the more you, closer you get to God, and the more humble you are. Listen, that's who, how God honors you. And that's how you find the relationship with God that you want. One, one ancient saint said that humility is the, the mother of all virtues. That probably is correct that it's the first and the last thing. Because you can't find God and you can't stay in a right relationship with God. 
without humility. You know, unless you were beamed in this morning from Mars, some of you, it's possible. You know, on April the 25th, we got hit by a tornado here in Ruston. And, you know, there's so many things that have happened, so many stories, so many things we'll be hearing in the days ahead. But I thought this week, if there's one gigantic thing good that could come out of it, what, what would it be? And, and you know what? I, I, think, I think really maybe for a lot of us it's humility. I mean, if we look back and we can mark that date on the calendar, that this was a day that humbled us. You know what? I think unless you are in a different zone than I am, you realized after what happened, we need each other, don't we? My home didn't get hurt. My family did. My my wife's business got pretty much wiped out. So we spent the first day and a half, Thursday and Friday, looking at that. And I remember going in there with her and going, it will take me and her six years to get all this stuff out. Cindy got on the phone, and she or Facebook, and within about an hour, a bunch of our church people and people were there. Within five hours, we had that place cleaned out because of others. I think you realize we need God. Uh, we'll talk about that more in a moment. We need our police, don't we? We need our firemen and our paramedics, and we need our, our city leaders and our city government, and we need our government. We need our churches, And we need God. I believe God tries to speak to us through everything. And in this one thing, if it will humble you and remind you, you need God. And you need other people. You know what? That's a great thing coming out of a bad thing. I pray that we will let it humble us. Will you pray with me? This morning, if you're here and you're a Christian, man, I I pray some of us need to really have a a get-right-with-God moment as a Christian. I pray you'll do that. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, will you humble yourself this morning? Will you humble yourself this morning and come to Christ? If you're ready to do that, pray with me where you are. Just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to repent of my sins. And Jesus, I do believe you're God's son. And that you died for me and that you arose for me. Come into my heart, Jesus. And I surrender my life to you. 